It's a running theme on the show. Charleston is chock full of haunted hotels. We can now add the Francis Marion Hotel to that list, as it is said to be haunted by a man who took his own life after being rejected by his lover. My name is Blake Mosley, and this is South Carolina Spook Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Charleston, South Carolina is a destination that people visit because it is rich in history. They also visit it because of the many options available to them with regard to places to visit, things to do, and of course, if you visit South Carolina, you have to partake in a delightful southern cuisine afforded. Charleston offers beautiful scenery, and if you are among the adventure sort that loves a good scare, there are many different haunted places in Charleston to visit. The Francis Marion Hotel is among the most haunted places in Charleston. Scores of people flock to the historic hotel in hopes of having a ghostly encounter with one of the city's most famous ghosts. During the 1920s, people visiting Charleston, South Carolina were enjoying the convenience of railroads and the luxury of grand hotels. The hotels in the area were designed with luxurious accommodations in mind. In 1924, the Francis Marion Hotel opened its doors ready to provide its guests with the most elegant accommodations available. The hotel received its name from the Swamp Fox, Francis Marion. Marion was a Revolutionary War hero as he played a vital role in the battle between the Americans and the British. Many saw Francis Marion as an incredible leader, as a fair man because he did not feel Americans who remained loyal to the British should be punished, and his leadership skills were a huge reason that the American troops were successful. Guests of the hotel had the ability to enjoy unparalleled service whether they were staying at the hotel while passing through town or staying for a wedding, elaborate banquets, or business dealings. Whatever the case, guests staying in the 12-story hotel designed by architect W.L. Stoddard from New York found themselves in the grandest and most sizable hotel in both North and South Carolina. Many people from the area stated that the place to be was the Francis Marion Hotel and that reputation remains to this day. In 1996, after more than 70 years of service to locals and travelers, the Francis Marion Hotel underwent extensive and elaborate restoration. The Francis Marion maintains its original 1920 style while offering the people that stay in the 235 guest rooms and suites with modern conveniences. Guests can also enjoy some of the most spectacular views available in Charleston. Guests can enjoy views of the legendary King Street, along with the historic harbor. 
When not enjoying the hotel's amenities, guests of one of the haunted hotels in Charleston can enjoy an assortment of antique shops, world-class restaurants, antebellum homes, and some of the most magnificent gardens around. Individuals looking to book a room at the Francis Marion Hotel today can anticipate a pleasurable experience in this historic hotel. The rooms are comfortably decorated and designed to suit the needs for all their guests. There are many people that state that although the bathrooms in the hotel are well designed, they can be considered on the smaller side. Most people find this to be accurate considering the hotel was constructed during the 1920s. For anyone choosing to book a hotel room or suite at the Francis Marion, all the following are available to the guests. A flat screen HD cable television, desk and vanity sitting area, heavenly pillow top mattress, wireless internet access, coffee maker, room service, all three daily meals, a room with wheelchair accessibility, concierge, laundry and dry cleaning services, non-smoking rooms, and wake-up calls. Guests planning an extended stay at the Francis Marion Hotel might want to consider booking one of the penthouse suites available. The penthouse suites offer the guests with more than just a bed and a bathroom. Guests in the penthouse suites get the best views that the hotel offers. Depending on the suite chosen, Guests can have access to a full kitchen, a dining room that seats up to eight people, as well as a completely separate living space. Making the decision to book one of the penthouse suites will afford the individuals with the most square footage as well as completely separate sleeping quarters. Before guests book a room or suite, they should also consider some of the different packages that the hotel offers. There are packages that revolve around the season in which the stay occurs, as well as packages including spa treatments, dining packages, and packages revolving around tours of Charleston. Charleston includes horse-drawn carriage rides, visits to the South Carolina Aquarium, and historic Fort Sumter. When people decide to book a room or a suite at the Francis Marion Hotel, they may go in not believing in ghosts or paranormal activity. There are those that visit the Francis Marion to conduct their own paranormal investigations. For many people over the years, they've had their beliefs in whether or not ghosts exist change. There's a common belief that a Yankee by the name of Ned Cohen remains a forever guest at the Francis Marion. According to the lore, Ned Cohen, a Northern, met and became tremendously enamored with an unnamed Southern Belle in New York. Ned was so enchanted with the woman that he requested that his boss from Floresham Shoes send him to Charleston, South Carolina on business. In truth, Ned Cohen went there to see his lady love. Seer is exactly what he did they reportedly spent one incredibly beautiful weekend together. Ned, blissfully happy, had no idea that his lady love would end up being the cause for his demise. According to the reports, despite their connection, the Southern Belle knew that a romance between someone from the North and someone from the South would not work because of the post-war difficulties. Ned's Southern Belle reportedly wrote him a letter and left it for him in his hotel room at the Francis Marion. Ned reportedly felt blindsided by the letter. His affections for the woman had apparently blinded him to the reality of unsettled feelings between people from the North and the South. Distraught over his loss, Ned Cohen made the decision to take his life. He opened the window of room 1010 and jumped to his death. He landed on the historic King Street. Although his body was sent to New York for burial, many people claim that his spirit remains at the Francis Marion Hotel. Guests of the hotel have stated that no matter what they do, their room windows will not remain closed. Other guests and staff members have claimed that they have seen what appears to be a man crying in the hallway. 
the figure is known to vanish without explanation. Other people that have visited the Francis Marion Hotel claim that they have seen a figure of Ned Cohen late at night. There are those that say they have never seen Ned's ghost, but they have felt his presence. The sensation of someone lightly touching or caressing their cheek is common. Others have stated that while they attempt to rest in their hotel room, they get the feeling that someone is looking at them. There is no malicious intent behind either of those occurrences, but more of sadness. Could it be that Ned Cohen's ghost is looking at the hotel guests as they sleep, seeing the face of his former love? No one will ever know the answer to that question. There are even more unexplained incidents connected to Ned Cohen. The haunted activity even includes windows that rattled when the wind is non-existent outside. Some people have heard their silk drapes rustling when there is no source of air or human near them to cause such a noise. On some occasions, people who have been both inside and outside the hotel see what appears to be a man talking to himself or perhaps directing his question to a person passing by his location. If it is Ned's spirit, what could he be asking? To some people, he's asking himself whether or not he has any other option than to kill himself after his love has abandoned him. People walking along the streets outside the Francis Marion Hotel not only get treated to a visually appealing historic building, sometimes they get more. There have been people who have stated that they have seen what appears to be someone falling from one of the windows of the hotel. Alternatively, people who have been spending time relaxing in their hotel room have had the disturbing experience of seeing what they believe is now someone falling past their window. Naturally, when they run to the window and look outside, there is nothing unusual to see on the street below. Are these sightings brought on by the rumors that Ned Cohen's spirit remains a resident of the hotel? Or are they seeing the ghost of Ned Cohen when he jumped to his death so many years ago? The only real answer to that, with so many ghost sightings and reports of other paranormal activity, the Francis Marion Hotel is definitely one of the most haunted locations that people can visit in Charleston, South Carolina. Coming up on South Carolina Spook Show. The Angel Oak in Charleston is one of the oldest trees this side of the Mississippi River. Many people come from all over to take in its beauty and admire its ability to withstand many horrendous storms over the years, including Hurricane Hugo. Some even say that it brings a ghostly energy at night. And later, we have a short story from the book Spooky South Carolina about a man who encountered a ghost on the infamous Crybaby Bridge. Stay tuned. In the heart of Charleston, South Carolina, you will find many historic buildings, houses, and even a tree. This tree holds quite a history, and there have been many rumors that the tree brings spirits of the dead, too. Angel Oak Tree is one of the most beautiful trees of its kind, and it has thousands of visitors each year. Do they come to see its beauty, or do they come to see its ghosts? Angel Oak has a vast history, and many think that it is the oldest of all the living trees east of the Mississippi River. Most oak trees will grow up and not out, but this one has done both. It's clearly a one-of-a-kind tree that just keeps growing. It's now about 65 feet high, and the branches go out about 17,000 square feet. Not every tree can say that they have had 40,000 visitors each year, but Angel Oak can. The tree is about 400 years old, and visitors can see it seven days a week except on the holidays. 
This tree has been through quite a few of hurricanes, floods, and even some earthquakes, and it is still standing strong. It did suffer slight damage from Hurricane Hugo in 1989, but that didn't stop it from growing, and growing, and growing. The name of the tree came from the owners of the estate, Justice and Martha Angel. It is property of the city of Charleston, and it is located in a very popular park where visitors can come and see it in all its glory. The tree has gone through quite a bit, and the stories of its beauty travel all over the world. But what draws people to this tree? Is it the beauty, or is it something else? Is it something eerie? We've heard tales of both, and that is why the Angel Oak Tree is another one of the most haunted places in Charleston. During the day, tourists and locals alike come to Angel Oak Tree to see this ancient tree and appreciate just how old it really is. At night, though, the tree brings a ghostly energy that has been seen and felt by many. In fact, there are quite a few tales of this tree that will make your hair stand on end. Not all the people who go to see the tree have a good feeling when they're there and when they leave. In one tale of the Angel Oak Tree, a couple was married under it in 2008. They wanted to go back to the tree to spend some time there under the light of the moon together. They weren't alone when they went there, though. They said that as soon as they walked up to the tree, they felt an energy that was not like anything that they had felt before. Then they started to see what they called spirits. They said that they were glowing shadows of humans and that they were all over the tree. The woman even said that some of the spirits that she saw looked as if they were hanging from the branches. The story does match up because of the slaves that were once hanged on this tree. The land did serve as a plantation in the past, and there were many slaves who worked there. There were also many slaves that disappointed their master and met their death hanging from the angel oak tree. This is the story of many of the ghosts who are generally seen here. In another story, a couple who were also married at the angel oak went back to see the tree. The husband wanted to show his love just how much he meant to him, so he decided to carve their initial into the tree. This is always a big no-no, especially in a public area that stays open due to donations. He carved a heart on the tree with his knife. As soon as he began to carve the heart, he noticed that he could hear noises all around them. His wife got very scared and she told him that he should stop and that they should just leave. She made it a point to tell him that she knew that he loved her and that they should just leave the tree alone. He continued to carve it though, and the noises around him continued to grow louder and louder. The woman got more and more afraid. The noises now sounded like they were surrounded by a mob of angry people. The husband finally put the knife away, and they saw a bright flash before their eyes. Then they saw a face. This was no ordinary face, though. This was the face of a demon, or devil, according to the couple. They ran as fast as they could away from the tree, and when they turned back, they saw a lot of glowing figures dancing around the tree, and some of them looked as if they were hanging from the tree. There are even more tales of ghosts who lurk in the shadows of the moon at Angel Oak. A local woman who has a family member of one of the former slaves said that the tree has a type of curse on it. The slaves in the area all knew that it was a bad omen for them, and they would not go near it unless they had to. This woman said that huge birds would perch on its branches, and these birds would feed on the slaves' dead bodies. The woman said that there was a legend that the Native Americans in the area had also buried their dead under and around the tree's roots. She said that the spirits that are seen at Angel Oak are also spirits of their dead. 
the woman pointed out that the Native American spirits that are seen here come back in order to protect the tree, and that is what has been keeping the tree safe for all these years. Like most places, Charleston has been growing faster and faster, and more people are starting to move into the area. In 2012, the city had quite a scare when developers came into the area where Angel Oak is and decided that they wanted to build a huge compartment complex in its place. The city was outraged and they began to protest and began a small group called Save the Angel Oak and the Coastal Conservation League. They were very concerned about the life of this tree and they didn't want anyone to ruin the beautiful area to build some apartments. In December of 2013, there was a land trust company that wanted to buy the area where Angel Oak is located. This purchase would end up protecting the tree and the area from any new developments within a 17-acre range of the tree. The Low Country Land Trust bought this land and it is now safe from any developers coming in to demolish this area. The Angel Oak tree is one of the most beautiful sites in this area and the locals will do anything that it takes to protect it and keep it alive. The history here may be bleak in some cases, but the tree itself is just part of the history of the city. Many of the locals say that this represents Charleston by showing visitors that its roots and branches are incredibly strong, nurturing, and always providing for the locals and visitors. They are referring to the shade that the tree provides. Visiting Angel Oak is a wonderful experience and it is like no other. There's plenty of energy that floats around the tree and it's special because of how old it is. There's a world of history here that people love to take in. If you'd like to read a book featuring Angel Oak, be sure to check out The Heart of a Child by Emily Nelson. You can visit Angel Oak seven days a week when you're in Charleston. You'll get to see just how majestic this tree is, and if you show up at night, perhaps you will see the ghosts of those who spent their lives and deaths here. Coming up on South Carolina Spook Show. We have a short story from the book Spooky South Carolina about a man who encountered a ghost on the infamous Crybaby Bridge. Stay tuned. Life isn't always easy. In fact, we all battle depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the thing that we can rely on to get us through the tough times we all face. The podcast, When Words Fail, Music Speaks, with host James and Blake, discusses the healing power of music. They interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and a lot more. On When Words Fail, Music Speaks, enjoy interviews and lively discussions about musicians and songs you know and love. This is a podcast any music lover will enjoy add when words fail music speaks to your podcast playlist right now available on spotify apple podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts i was in a foul mood when i got into my car about a quarter to midnight and headed for home i'd just broken up with lisa my girlfriend yet again Lisa and I were so on again, off again, that I couldn't have told you what my current attached status was from week to week. Things have been fine on Monday when we had gone to the movies, but as of 11.45pm on Saturday, I was single once again. Gee whiz. How's a guy to know when he's missed his five-month anniversary? I didn't even know there was such a thing as a five-month anniversary. If a bloke doesn't know about it, how can he celebrate it? And was it so wrong to go to the football game with my buddies? I'd known them a lot longer than I'd known Lisa. Of course, when I had pointed this out to her, she'd instantly broken up with me. 
Then she burst into tears when I left without saying goodbye. <sighs> Women. I gunned the motor of my Jeep and squealed my tires, turning onto the road. This romance stuff is for the birds, I decided, flicking on my high beams as I drove down the empty Sardis Road. I was happy being a bachelor. No one telling me what to do or how to do it. No artificial deadlines. No five-month anniversaries. Just me doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Ahead of me, the glow from my headlights flashed off the old-fashioned steel truss bridge that crossed the Tiger River. I was almost home. Good. The emotional scene with Lisa had left me feeling as limp as a rag doll. I just rolled onto the bridge when a figure in white darted directly across my path. I swore and slammed the brakes so hard that my forehead hit the steering wheel, and then my seatbelt, too late, slammed me back against the headrest. The car shuddered and jolted around me as it came to a halt. I didn't think I'd hit the person, I think it was a woman, but I had to be sure. Head swimming from the combined blows to the fore and back of my head, I tugged on my seatbelt until it loosened, and then released it with shaking hands. I almost fell getting out of the car and had to cling to the door for a moment as strength slowly returned to my legs. My head was throbbing so hard that for a moment the steel trusses swam out of focus, but fear for the woman that had rushed across my path helped me to clear my head. I staggered to the front of the car, clinging to the hood to stay upright. To my relief, no figure in white laid under my tires, which was strange. Where had she gone? My beams illuminated the whole span of the bridge, but I didn't see anyone else there. Had she flung herself into the water in her panic? I lurched forward with a gasp, hoping that I wouldn't see a white figure floating in the water. And then I stopped, my heart skipping a beat and my whole throbbing head filling with ice-cold terror. Floating at the edge of the bridge, right behind my car, was the glowing figure of a woman. She was racing agitatedly back and forth between one side of the bridge and the other, wringing her translucent hands in agony as glowing white tears streamed down her face. Faintly, I could hear her calling, as if from a great distance. She kept peering down into the dark river flowing underneath us. And just for an instant, I heard the sound of a baby wailing in distress somewhere below my feet. It was too much for me. The sight of the glowing ghost, the sound of the crying child, the throbbing of my head. I screamed in terror and bolted toward my car door. Then I tripped over my own shoelace and slammed into the hard surface of the bridge. The whole world went black. I came back to my senses slowly, aware of gentle hands stroking my forehead and a familiar voice calling my name. I opened my eyes and looked up into the pretty face of Nancy, the girl next door, literally. Her parents owned the house next to my parents' place. Nancy worked as a nurse at the local hospital. Lie still, you've got a bump the size of Texas on your forehead. You may be concussed, Nancy said briskly. I did as she commanded and through the pain of my injuries, I marveled at her efficiency as she ran me through a quick series of tests to assess the damage. Finally, she allowed me to sit up. I'm going to drive you back to the hospital for a quick examination, she said. I think you've got a concussion. 
You can tell me what happened on the way. She helped me to my feet, and I saw that her car was parked right behind mine on the bridge. She put me into the front of her seat and commandeered my keys. Then she pulled the Jeep off the bridge and parked it on the side of the road before she drove me to the hospital. I sat with my eyes closed, my head resting on the back of my seat, and I told her what I had seen on the bridge. It was easier to talk about it with my eyes closed. I didn't want to see the look of disbelief that I knew would be on Nancy's face when I described the ghost. Nancy was too practical to believe in the supernatural. But she surprised me. I've heard about the ghost, but I've never seen her, Nancy said thoughtfully as she negotiated with the curve. She's been around since the 1950s. According to the stories, the woman was having an affair, and her husband divorced her and was granted custody of their newborn baby. When she learned that she had lost a child to her ex-husband, the woman kidnapped the baby and threw it off the bridge rather than let her husband have it. She regretted her action almost immediately, but it was too late. So she killed herself as well, and now her ghost haunts the bridge, searching for her lost child. They say you can hear the baby crying if you stand up in the middle of the bridge. My eyes popped open, and I glanced at Nancy in amazement, and then winced as pain shot through my head. I heard the baby crying, I said, clutching my throbbing temples. Nancy nodded her head as she put on her blinker and pulled into the emergency entrance to the hospital. So did I, she said somberly as she stopped the car. While I was examining you, but I didn't see the ghost. Be glad you didn't, I said, a shudder of fear running through my body. Nancy helped me into the emergency room, and a nurse carted me off to be poked, prodded, and examined. I was pronounced mildly concussed and sent home with painkillers and a list of instructions that included lots of rest. Nancy dropped me off at my parents' home, since the hospital didn't want me to stay alone in my apartment until my symptoms went away. She even took my father to retrieve my abandoned Jeep. I don't think Nancy got any sleep that night, and she did a full shift at the hospital the next day. She was swaying with weariness when she stopped by to see how I was doing on her way home. I was feeling much better and had spent the day quietly resting and comparing the behavior of Lisa and Nancy. You look worse than I feel, I said to Nancy from my place on the sofa. I feel worse than you look, she retorted, and I smiled, reflecting that Lisa would have taken offense at my words and would be crying by now. Go get some sleep, I ordered her. Tomorrow night, I'm taking you out for a thank you dinner. You can take me out on Tuesday after the doctors declared you fit, Nancy said pausing by the sofa to check my bruised forehead and the back of my skull. And I forbid you to have any more dealings with ghosts. Stay off the bridge at midnight. Yes, ma'am, I said with a grin and leaned back on the pillow. I watched through the window as she crossed the lawn and went into her parents' house to deliver some packages to her mother. Maybe this romance stuff wasn't so bad after all, I reflected, as I popped a couple of aspirin and turned on the TV. But I was swearing off ghosts. Thank you again for listening to another episode of South Carolina Spook Show. I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, it was a little different uh, with the short story. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I'd really love to read some more passages from that book. I think it's so great. Um, again, that's Spooky South Carolina, written by S.E. Schlosser and uh, illustrated by Paul G. Hoffman. And I'm telling you guys, like the illustrations alone in this book are just so cool. 
along with the short stories that come along uh, with them. So please check that out. It's available on Amazon. I'll actually post the link uh, in the show notes for you guys to go check it out. So if you don't mind, please share this episode with someone that you know who enjoys true crime and paranormal stories from South Carolina. You can let them know we're available on any podcast platform that they would prefer, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. And if you're listening currently on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you would leave me a rating and review. You have no idea how much that helps me um, and, ha- and allows the show to continue to grow so I can do more because uh, I love it. This is a this is a passion of mine. I've actually got a new review uh, that was left by SC Jazz with a bunch of Cs. I love that. So... <laughs> They gave me five stars, so thank you again, uh, and said, I would listen to this podcast just for the host's pleasant voice. The history of South Carolina and the spooky stories are an added bonus. So thank you. I appreciate that. You know, my dad always said that I had a face for radio, so uh, that is something that I, I really appreciate. Yeah, and if you would also like to leave a rating and review, again, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else um, that you can, whether that's Facebook, any social pages, anything like that. It helps me out a ton. Thank you so much. If you want to stay up to date uh, with new episode drops and anything like that, we're available on different social media platforms. It's uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's at South Carolina Spook Show. Also on Twitter, uh, at SC Spook Show. And you can also send your own personal stories or episode suggestions to the email address I have, scspookshow at gmail.com, or you can shoot me a message on any of those social media sites that I mentioned before. If you don't mind, check out my other podcast. It's called When Words Fail, Music Speaks. It's all about music and mental health and how we kind of cope with uh, with life struggles with the help of music. It's available, again, wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. The Haunted Francis Marion Hotel in Charleston, South Carolina, was written for hauntedrooms.com, author unknown. Haunted Charleston, Most Haunted Places Number 7, Angel Oak Tree, was written for charlestonterrors.com, posted by an anonymous blogger. And finally, Crybaby Bridge was a passage taken from the book Spooky South Carolina, Tales of Hauntings, Strange Happenings, and Other Local Lore, retold by S.C. Schlosser and illustrated by Paul G. Hoffman. Again, I will have the link to that in the show notes. All articles and stories read on South Carolina Spook Show are the property of their respective authors and is used for purposes of commentary and review. No copyright infringement is intended. Thank you again for listening. I'm your creator and host, Blake Mosley, and this is South Carolina Spook Show. Y'all stay spooky.